0: Coming up today on Podcast 1951, Mercedes-Benz expands their charging network. Jaguar Land Rover say they'll miss their EV targets and the importance of used EVs, according to Tesla. Plus, stay tuned, because later in the show, I'll tell you what investors at Berkshire Hathaway had to say about the strength of Tesla versus BYD. But first, Hyundai's IONIQ electric model sales are going up last month in October, at least in the US. Hyundai's EV sales, specifically the EGMP Arnic 5 and 6, that's the 800-ish volts cars, the ones that can charge really quickly, but also the latest, greatest from Hyundai, had a big sales uptick. So for the Arnic 5, looking at uh, 2,979, and the Arnic 6, 1,239. Uh, the combined sales figures last month in October alone. 4,218, that's a 167% rise compared to the same period last year. And what about the Hyundai Kona? That's the car that I own, one of the EVs that we own, by the way. How's that doing? Well, I don't actually know because, according to the official data, they don't split out the Kona sales figures with the electric, the hybrid plug-in, the combustion versions as well, which is a shame. I'd like to know how that vehicle is selling. We own the second gen one of the Kona and really like it. It suits us. It's a little bit small. For our family use now, many of my listeners, viewers know that we adopted a baby girl. She's just over a year old uh, a few weeks ago now. Yes, bags under the eyes, And uh, (laughs) because of that, you know, we we, we know that uh, because of our son, who's five now, the, the, the smaller kids are, the bigger all the stuff that they come with. And the Kona's just a little bit small for us now, so we're going to have to change it, which is a real shame. Uh, Year-to-date, Hyundai has sold over 37,000 units of the Ioniq 5 and 6 models in the US. That's a great number. All right, moving on. Mercedes-Benz aims to broaden their North American charging network through a collaboration with Simon Property Group. The initiative will start with the installation of Fast chargers at 55 Simon locations in the US and Canada. Now these aren't locations that I'm familiar with, not being in the US, but the properties seem to provide uh, leisure activities and amenities like shopping and dining during charging sessions. Mercedes-Benz say that chargers will be on offer up to 400 kilowatts of power, uh, the exact output varying by location. So if you're thinking that's a chunky old charge speed, they're using ChargePoint hardware for this. Andrew Cornelia, president and CEO of Mercedes-Benz High Power Charging North America, has emphasized the goal of integrating charging into your lifestyle, your daily life, making it a secondary activity to what you're doing, going about your life. And I couldn't agree with this more. I don't. Often, unless I'm doing a road trip where it is just a splash and dash, there's very little times when I'm waiting for my car to charge. And I don't know about you, if you are an EV driver already, maybe you consume this podcast because you're EV curious and want to learn about things. Uh, But there's very little time, almost no times, when I'm waiting for my car to charge because right now, even though it's November in the UK, where it's always cloudy. It's actually sunny today, who would have thought? And so we're trickle charging the car from excess solar because our home battery is full. But if I need to properly charge it, I'd do it overnight on cheap rate octopus, and then if I am on a road trip, I'm going to pull in and do something else during that charge. Like I said, I've got a Kona, as I just said. It doesn't charge particularly quickly, but I don't really notice that because, well, I see with, with kids as well, you try stopping for less than half an hour, it's just impossible. So that's Mercedes-Benz philosophy. So, yeah, I know I've been to a lot of supercharger stations uh, where Tesla back in the day just got the land where they could, and often they will be in the back of beyond. That's really changing, though. Uh, the upcoming charging stations will be accessible to all EVs, not just Mercedes-Benz. In the US, they'll have CCS and NAX connectors. You've got to do that. And Mercedes-Benz setting a target of 500 charging hubs across North America in the next four to five years. One thing I do want to add on this is the kind of customers that Mercedes-Benz want to attract, but also do attract, uh, may I say, a little more premium, perhaps. Uh, perhaps the type of people who will be wanting Mercedes Benz experience. Certainly, those that look after you know the brand at that business, you know uh, the marketing folk, etc. Uh, they will not want to sully the brand by turning up to a Mercedes Benz Charger and having it not working or be out of order or oh we can't get the parts but we'll be back in a couple of months time to fix that one that will not fly so i think their hardware partners will be uh i think they'll ride them pretty hard on that one all right moving on and jaguar land rover have been talking about their recent revenue which they're pleased with the revenue is up but their ev targets are at risk jaguar land rover say they're currently not on pace not on ipace I don't mind that joke. Uh, To meet the UK's 2024 electric vehicle mandate, uh, risking substantial fines, but they can probably afford it because they're doing really well. Uh, The UK's ZEV mandate, if you don't know, uh, it's a rather dull, boring piece of legislation, but actually really interesting if you're into electric vehicles. This is uh, there was a lot of fuss around the UK pushing back its 2030 date, 2035. What they didn't—that was just to score political points with with kind of the light readers of the mainstream press for our prime minister, who is kind of not getting great ratings. The underlying law. The mandate never actually changed. So let me explain. From next year, 22%, if you want to sell cars in this country, 22% of your sales must be full electric. Non-compliance could cost you £15,000 per excess combustion engine vehicle now despite this jaguar land rover reporting their highest ever quarterly revenue at 6.9 billion pounds profits before tax 442 million pounds and jaguar land rover's electric vehicle lineup is sparse this is the jaguar ipace i noticed online today at jaguar.co.uk they're offering zero percent finance now our interest rates are around six percent here in the uk so whichever way jlr are borrowing money However, they're getting that to you. That's a hard cost to their business to offer 0%. That's how much they want to try and shift the I-PACE at the moment. The all-electric uh, Range Rover, rather, isn't expected to arrive until 2024. Now, to avoid penalties, the company may have to strike deals or purchase regulatory credits from other automakers, similar to how previous arrangements have worked with Tesla here in the EU. Now, if you would like to get this podcast in audio form, if you're watching the YouTube version, and for our audio listeners, yes, I'm trying again again to get a format that i like on youtube uh, after a few full starts then you can if you're watching this on on youtube please check out the audio version if you like audio podcasts you can do that on your app your uh, podcast app just hit ev news daily as your search term it's the only thing that should show up and there's almost two thousand daily podcasts in the archive for you to enjoy, if that's the right word. All right, let's talk about China. And China hits record highs in EV wholesale sales. China's October numbers are coming in. I can tell you, pulling together those October numbers, that their EV sales hit an all-time peak of 890,000 units. Well, this number indicates a 32% increase compared to the same period last year and a 7% rise on -on month-on-month from September. Now, the bulk of EV sales were dominated by 17 manufacturers, between them 9 out of Ten sales wholesale sales of EVs and the January to October total cumulative uh, passenger EV sales wholesale sales made in China were 6.8 million units now even if you're not interested in the whole China story you want to hear about EVs that you can go and buy today uh, wherever you're listening or watching this podcast I tell you this news because it's so important in terms of what's the automakers are facing where our cars are gonna be made in the future and what the competition is facing. Now, if you look at last month's data, it is just one name. It's BYD, uh, 301,095 wholesale EV sales. And EV does include plug-in hybrid, by the way. So for BYD, you've got to kind of half that. It is roughly, just, it's like 55% of their business is full EV versus plug-in hybrid. But if you do 50-50 on the BYD numbers, you're ballpark there. Uh, and then a long way behind Tesla China, uh, then uh, Geely, Chang'an, uh, SAIC, General Motors, Wuling, Joint Venture, and then GAC ION, then Li, Great Wall, and, and so it goes down. The big numbers, the, the big names you might hear that are kind of leaving China to sell in Western markets, particularly Europe, actually, the likes of Xpeng, uh, Neo, uh, they're slightly further further down all right well let's talk about affordable evs as the market matures then we know that cars all cars are going to be zero emission and that means ev power and that means fit for purpose so some of them will have 20 kilowatt hour batteries and some will have 30 and 40 and then some evs will have 150 or 200 kilowatt hour batteries we need to get the conversation going about fit for purpose that's a really important one because up until now i've seen so many times the motoring press and all sorts people are comparing any EV to any petrol or combustion vehicle. In the future, there will be small city cars that don't go very far, just like at the moment in combustion world, there are small city cars that don't go very far with a tiny fuel tank. Now, let's talk about one of the, what could be the cheapest EV arriving here in the UK. Yesterday on the podcast, if you haven't heard it, recommend you go and listen if you want to hear about the what happened with Stellantis, the owners of Vauxhall, Opel, here they're called Vauxhall, uh, in Europe you'll be buying Opels, but Stellantis did a massive investment in Leap Motor. And part of that was to sell their vehicles in Europe. New joint venture company, a European company, launched that will sell Leap Motors. And in the UK, it looks like we could be getting the T03. That is a tiny city car that would indeed be the cheapest EV that we could buy. This agreement grants Stellantis exclusive rights to distribute Leap Motor vehicles outside China uh, with European sales starting in 2024. Well, in France, this little Leap Motor T03 city car is on sale right now, offered at rates of €99 a month with no initial deposit. The T03 is a compact car, 3.6 metres long, 174 miles of range, which is way more than the Dacia Spring, which is, I think, at the moment, still the cheapest EV that we can buy. It's not quite on sale here yet, but it is coming next year, I gather. The T03 in China, and this is a tough one to compare in China, it would be a 7,000, £7, pound vehicle, but you can't do that really because of shipping and taxes and modifications for safety compliance. But Leap Motors, affordable EVs could help Stellantis to meet the upcoming ZEV mandate. I just told you about the Jaguar Land Rover say, hey, we think we're going to miss it by selling this vehicle for what, 20,000 pounds it could be or 18 or, or 16,000 uh, pounds. Would you buy this T03 would you would you rather this rather than the Citroen eC3 which Stellantis will also sell which will have a starting price just over 20,000 pounds 44 kilowatt hour battery uh LFP cells in that and about 200 miles of range i can't wait to see where the the compact cheaper uh, let's say uh, more value EV goes in the future. All right, moving on. And Nissan's CEO, Makoto Uchida, is reflecting on the effects of the global pandemic on the EV market. The pandemic resulted in different consumer expectations, he says, for EVs across different regions, actually putting the global pandemic as one of the reasons why the EV market changed over the last three years or so. Now, EV adoption rates are inconsistent globally. We know that. We know they're influenced by regional governments, by policies, by cost factors, by the competitive landscape, what cars are you know, on sale in the US. Tesla is easily the number one over here in Europe. They're number three. Uh, consumer demand is different as well, isn't it? I mean, there's like loads of other things uh, that affect it. Now, uh, Nissan's CEO saying that there is a necessity for his company to design EVs tailored to different markets and that actually the global pandemic was a cause of this uh, that the us and china needs different vehicles local preferences are different regulatory requirements are different you know i couldn't agree more those chinese vehicles that are selling really well from the domestic manufacturers uh, well they tend to be very high tech tech forward people who want to integrate tech into either the smart speakers in their homes or on their devices and etc cetera, etc cetera. and some of the established car makers haven't been very good that what well, the, the domestic makers have really lent into that now. Nissan CEO advocates for the development of regional specific EVs, compared to the old way of doing business for the car industry, which you know that which would have been a global global models and so uh, you know one model sold everywhere. He says you just can't do that in EV. What I guess it just makes his his job a little bit more difficult, uh, I suppose. Right. Uh, if you would like to get this podcast ad free you can uh, by signing up to our patron page pay dot slash ev news daily uh, this is how i pay the bills now this is my job to spread the word about evs and to fight the fossils and if you can help me do that and be one of the incredible people or businesses that get the show on the air every day uh, i would be so grateful if you would just check out the page and hey no worries if if not but if you are thinking about it then have a look at the patreon page uh, one of the perks is you get this show ad free which has got to be good. Now, let's talk uh, a little bit about what Tesla have been saying about the role of pre-owned vehicles. And I love this so much because uh, this wasn't Elon Musk talking. And I I think the company is full of interesting people that we'd love to hear from. And this was a Tesla manager here in the UK. It was actually, well, let me tell you about it. Uh, He's been emphasizing the critical role of used EVs in the move to sustainable transports. Michael Oates, oversees Tesla's UK sales and delivery, spoke at the EV Summit recently around Oxford about the importance of broadening the EV. Audience, the goal is to attract buyers beyond the early adopters that have probably all bought EVs by now to consider electric vehicles for the next purchase. He contends that access to the used EV market is key to enabling more people to enjoy the benefits of EV ownership. And the pre-owned EV market is relatively small at the moment, especially when compared to the new EV market. But it's growing and Preach. I mean, I couldn't agree with him more. I've been talking so much on this podcast for, well, it seems like years now, and it probably has genuinely been years about the need. For a robust, healthy, used EV market, you know that one of the sponsors of this podcast is Recurrent, and you can go to Recurrent also on their website. Uh, they'll do battery reports for used EVs. One of the services that's really important to give people confidence in buying used EVs, but also for everyone who sells a used EV, whether it's privately or through a dealer as well, is that there's education. People are confident. They know what they're getting. And they understand how the battery has been... Used and abused or not, and and you know just what a buying a used EV means. And the more we talk about this, the better. Because you know buying a new EV is all well and good. It's wonderful if you can afford it, but for the people who buy second, third, and fourth-hand vehicles, hello, this is such an important conversation to have. All right, let's move on. A couple of interesting stories that I thought uh, you might want to know about. A company called Borg Warner secured a contract to deliver an eight hundred volt. Onboard battery charger to, they can't say because of non-disclosure, an unnamed North American car manufacturer. So who are we talking about? Well, it could be a few options, I guess. Uh, they say that their charger is an 800-volt system, and it's got silicon carbide technology, and it's bidirectional as well, designed to offer flexible power options, 19.2 kilowatts or 22 kilowatts on a three-phase system. Well this contract marks Borg Warner's debut into supplying onboard charger technology to the North American market. Now what the OBC does is it switches AC to DC for battery charging, but this is bi-directional as well. It's not vehicle to not like an out-of-the-box vehicle-to-grid system. That's more what the EVSE or your wall box would do. But think about more and more car companies offering vehicle to load. So having a decent output. Uh, some domestic plug sockets and stuff like that. This is all ready to go out of the box with this, but it's North American EV maker. I wonder who they're talking about. Well, I guess you could speculate, but very cool. that either way that this company, whoever's buying these, is talking about 800 volt architectures or higher voltage architectures. Now, a little update on the Swedish Tesla strike. Uh, Now, Swedish unions accusing Tesla of not following local labor laws. Transportation workers are poised to stop work in support of their colleagues who are already striking at the moment, and this would hit Sweden's main ports. Well, the blockade potentially starting in four days' time on November 7th could impact Tesla's supply chain in the region. The Swedish Transport Workers Union uh, backs 57,000 transport sector employees, and they are spearheading the blockade. Well, Tesla's Swedish mechanics, whose labor conditions sparked the dispute, have been striking since last week. In Sweden, it's not legally required, but customary for firms to engage in collective bargaining. Uh, nearly all companies in Sweden do that, but Tesla refused to sign that agreement. And so the workers at Tesla Sweden are uh, walking out. Although I think the local Swedish Tesla owners club did take themselves along to one of those uh, buildings and saw people working. But either, either way, so whether the strike is happening or not, uh, Tesla has a big presence in Sweden. 16,000 vehicles registered in the first three quarters of this year. One of the top European markets, actually, for Tesla. And, and more importantly is what with what's happening in the US right now, what strikes for Tesla in Europe, is kind of the momentum that gets behind these things and actually sort of almost motivates others who perhaps have been thinking about their conditions or all that kind of thing. So it's a story that we'll watch. It's a story in progress, and it's one that doesn't seem to be having a huge effect at the moment, but we'll keep an eye on it. A couple more stories. Ford just bought a battery management system company BMS company called AMP to bolster their EV technology under the model e-brand well Amp's technology will enhance development of Ford's future EVs not publicly disclose what they paid for it or whether Ford's existing EV models were using this technology and you know it was the old hey we like the company so much we bought it either way the majority of Amp's AMP's workforce uh, has grown to 149 employees according to a LinkedIn post they're expected to join in the Ford Model E division, and Ford recently delayed a portion of their uh, big investment into EVs. Not cancelled it, but just pushed it back a little bit with EV and battery production because of what they called market pressures uh, amidst a uh, with the continuing losses of the Ford Model E uh, division. But we'll finish off, I think, with uh, a couple more stories. This one from An article that I found about what Charlie Munger, Vice Chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, has been saying about the investment decisions that they make and why they invested early into BYD compared to Tesla. Well, Munger credits BYD's surge in the EV market to the CEO, Wang Shang Fu, whose hands on experience and commitment makes the difference. Berkshire's 2008 investment in BYD was 270 million, and that could be worth between 8 and 9 billion now. But what was kind of interesting to me was the shade being thrown at Tesla. Now, Charlie Munger described uh, BYD's boss as dedicated, highly intelligent, who surpasses Elon Musk in that prowess of manufacturing. He says that that's the difference between why they invested in BYD and not Tesla was because of how impressed they were with the different styles of manager. Despite taking a a meeting in 2008, seven or eight, I think it was, when they had a chance to invest early in Tesla, being approached by Musk back in the early days, Berkshire Hathaway chose not to invest and went with BYD and said it was because of the intelligence of the man at the top and his ability to manufacture. And you can't, admittedly, it was being said in a way to compliment BYD, but definite shade being thrown there towards Tesla and Volvo. Well, actually, specifically towards Elon Musk, uh, wasn't it? I'm sure he won't even notice that criticism and uh, will brush it off. Finally, uh, Volvo Cars are unveiling an energy solutions division for their EV ecosystem. Volvo Cars introduces a new division called Volvo Cars Energy Solutions, focusing on energy storage and advanced EV charging services. Well, the new business aims to integrate bidirectional charging so that their Volvo EVs can contribute energy back into the grid, like the new EX90 SUV that's coming, the first to feature hardware, already in the vehicle and software on the way for bidirectional charging and solar energy storage as well. They say that analysis of Volvo's current EV fleet on the road says the typical daily usage in Europe, I should say, is, uh, is under 10 kilowatt hours a day. 90% of daily drives they see from uh, Volvo users uh, consume less than 20 kilowatt hours and they say that leaves loads on the table for vehicle to grid, vehicle to home, vehicle to load and they want to get into a piece of that action. Well that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Evo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map, and Least Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.